0: this episode helping families in South America suffering amid a lack of tourism and the ultimate destination for social distancing.
1: Welcome to the World Nomads podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about coronavirus and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling.
0: Hi, it is Kim and Phil with you. A big thanks for tuning in from wherever you get your favourite pods. Now, we'll chat to Chad Carey shortly about the damage the lack of travel and tourism has had in South America. But, Phil, what are people wanting to know about travel as borders open up?
2: Yeah, well, we've gone to, you know, the, the main source of information. We've been Googling what people have been Googling. And some of the most Google questions surrounding COVID and travel are Obviously, around personal safety, things like, can the virus travel through air vents in hotels? Hard one for us to answer, not being a doctor or a, you know, virologist, (laughs) but an American Dr. Dan Field, who's the Chief Medical Officer at MD Staffers, which is one of the fastest growing healthcare staffing firms in the US, has been quoted in a recent interview saying, it is possible to become infected through a building's ventilation system, but it's unlikely due to the germ particles getting smaller and smaller as they travel through the vents. That's a bit like on aircraft. You know, like people worry about getting on aircraft, but the the yeah. massive sort of filtering systems. I, I read somewhere that the air inside an airplane is allegedly cleaner than the air outside.
0: True. Wow.
2: Yeah. So I say, but again, I'm not an aircraft engineer, so. <laughs> what are you,
0: are you anything? What are you?
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I won't answer that one. Look, there's lots of searches <laughs> like that, but the big one everyone wants to know is, does travel insurance cover coronavirus? Oh,
0: here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where you are an expert. Uh,
2: okay. Look, um, this is difficult to answer because what does it actually mean by, does travel insurance cover coronavirus? Travel insurance covers, you know, medical costs, loss of belongings, and things like cancellation and delay. So, even if you do have a policy from a provider that covers something to do with coronavirus, it probably is not going to cover everything. So, which is why it's really super important to read the wording, the policy wording, for your particular provider. A bit of a tip for you here: Control F is your friend. Control Find. Um, put in you know pandemic or something like that and see what what turns up in the in the um, benefits there. The other thing is have a look for general exclusions. There will be a section in there about that. If it mentions pandemic, epidemic, or outbreak of disease as a general exclusion, then it's very probably not covered. But also go back and have a look at what's covered under you know the medical because they may have made an exception to that there. Look the thing is this is a highly regulated industry and we most the good travel insurance providers don't want to be misleading people anyway. So go to their website and have a look on the front page of the website there if they will make it abundantly clear so that there is no mistaking what your coverage is around coronavirus whether they do or they don't check all those sources first and you know for example um the world nomads policy and don't don't forget we have six different underwriters around the world but the the policies that world nomads provides to u.s residents does have some coverage for medical costs if you um, get sick overseas. But that's also very clearly marked on our website and it's in our policy wording. And if you're not sure, whoever your provider is, give them a call and ask them exactly what is and is not covered.
0: Well, 2020 is the year of reading the PDS. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? Okay. And it's also the year of listening to
0: this. This information is only a brief summary. Read the full policy, wording very carefully. Visit nomads.com that's all you need to do. It's general advice and it may not be right for you. Read the full policy, it really won't take long at WorldNomads.com. Best, best disclaimer ever.
2: <laughs> I think, yeah, I love it. It's great. That's my favourite
0: one. Yeah, we mentioned this episode is about looking at the impact the lack of tourism dollars in South America is having on families who rely on it for their livelihood. Chimu Adventures has come up with a great idea, which we'll hear about shortly, but Chad is firstly going to tell us about the company.
1: Uh, well, I guess Chimu, what we focused on initially when we started was South America, and more specifically Peru. Uh, you know, we had this this little idea, Greg and I, when we started, that we were going to take our laptop, sit in Thailand on a beach, and, and sell trips to Peru because we we knew or thought we knew a little bit about it. Uh, but from there, it sort of went out to South America as it, as it grew for us. Um, and uh, and then Antarctica, more than 50% of our revenues is uh, Antarctica, so we're really more an Antarctica operator that also sells South America.
2: Oh, that's interesting. So the growth in travel to Antarctica is, you know, you sort of jumped on that. I, I take it it's, it, is, it has been a growth area, though.
1: It has been a great. I mean, I think they've both been growth areas. I think what, what we did reasonably well for Antarctica, uh, I think, is that, um, before we came along for Antarctica, there were, there were, in Australia, there were a bunch of different tour operators that sold, you know, say one ship or maybe two ships, and, and that was sort of their product. Uh, what we did a little bit differently is that we came in and said, look, we're going to essentially be an aggregator for all Antarctica product. Um, and, and I'll say all, I mean, we've got sort of about 80% of the operators that we sell um, going to Antarctica. And so for us, it was, it was more about us the value add for us was providing advice because, you know, there are a wide range of different ships that go to Antarctica and people are spending a lot of money on it. So it's really important that, um, I mean, even if you look on the web and try to research ships, it's so hard, there's so much information. So it's just really team for for us trying to get the right ship for the the right client um so that they spend their money well and I, and that model has worked really well. It's the ultimate place for social distancing. Oh it is. It is, that's right. And you know and at the moment we're actually just about to launch some some product out of Australia for Australians and New Zealanders that you know hopefully is in that that bubble to to travel in the next few months and in the coming um you know southern hemisphere summer. So and uh, that that's it. I mean aside from getting on the ship obviously there's still some concerns about getting everybody COVID-free on the ship, but once you're on it and presumably you do that screening well enough, um, you, you're completely fine.
0: Well, that's looking forward. Um, we know the travel industry has been at a standstill. What's the price that your company has paid for that?
1: Uh, oh, well, look, it, yeah, I mean, it, it'd, be, it'd be wrong to say that it, that it hasn't been tough uh, like it has for everybody. Um, you know, it, really, I guess what the last three months has been is no revenue whatsoever and, uh, and refunds. Um, uh, some refunds. Uh, most of most of our clients have, um, fortunately, taken credits, which which is which is um, a great help for us and, and many other travel businesses the same as well. But so and we're starting to see green shoots at the moment with um, with people booking Antarctic trips in you know eighteen months time or so. So it's not completely dead. But
2: and w- and what's the uh, COVID landscape in South America? I know Brazil's not a, in a great position, but what's the rest of the continent like?
1: Yeah, I, look. To, to be fair, it's it's not it's not amazing at the moment. Um, I think uh, it, it's really interesting to see the varied responses across South America. I mean, I guess the whole world as well. But I mean, Peru, for example, they went into a very heavy lockdown, um, but they haven't managed to contain it. Uh, really, it's you know, on a you know per uh, capita basis, they're actually not that far off Brazil. Um, with, you know, obviously Brazil's got lots of headlines, and they've done very little to restrict it, sort of like the, the US have. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, you know, there are unfortunately quite a few poorer communities, Slavellas in South America and, and like in India and places like that, where you've got people cramped into a small area with no chance to social distance. Um, you know, it's just prime for, for spreading the disease, unfortunately.
0: Now, you are worried about those families in South America who rely solely on the, the tourism dollar. So, during this time, you, you haven't just been sitting there waiting for the world to, to start re-engaging. One of your team members is raising funds to help feed those Latin families and, and distribute food. How are you doing that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it was, I guess, you know, a month or so after this all happened, we, we were very cognizant of what was going to happen, in especially in some of the real tourist hotspots in South America, um, and that the, there was just going to be no income. They wouldn't have the support that, you know, say more developed countries would have. Um, so we, we actually sort of had a brainstorming session, you know, sort of our, our senior team and we said, what can we do? Um, and we, we didn't actually come up with any great ideas as part of that. But then a week or so later, James, who's one of our business development managers, came to us and said, look, I've, I've been wanting to do this walk across Australia. For some time, but it's hard, obviously, to get the time off and you know to afford it and things like that. And he said, "Look, you know, maybe maybe I can do that now, and at the same time, we can use it to to generate um, interest in, in raising money for for people in South America." So you know, we all, all straight away. Said that's a, that's an absolutely fantastic idea. When can you start? So um, uh, and and he did. He started on the first of July, and and we've already done one ra- round of um, fundraising for it, and we're hoping to do a second one shortly. So that first round raised about twenty thousand um, uh, dollars, which is fantastic. Uh, and and where we're really going to um, direct that money towards this place is places like Cusco, which and anyone who's looked into traveling to South America will know Cusco. Um, and, and those sort of places, it's really difficult because about eighty percent of the people in Cusco derive their income from travel. So it's it's a bit easier when you've got places like Rio or Lima, and you might have people working in the travel industry. But a lot of their family, for example, will have more diverse jobs, and you know they'll be able to be able to people that can support them. Whereas in Cusco, you know there are whole families that have all lost their jobs, and there's, there's there's no government support or very limited government support. Um, so you know, it is a little bit of a disaster uh, for those people. So that's that's what we're really focusing on.
2: Yeah, because cause you know, grew something like five times its original size over the last twenty years or something like that, driven by that, um, you know, the the tourism industry and trekking up to Machu Picchu. So yeah, eighty percent—that's devastating.
1: Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure on those numbers, but that sounds about right. I mean. You know, from people who are employed in larger hotels to so just uh, families operating small, small sort of tracks through to B and B type operations. You know, and then and you know there are street market vendors and, and things like that as well that sort of all, all derive their income from it. So yeah, yeah it's, all, those, it's, all those it's a pretty direct impact.
2: All those vans <laughs> that you can hire to drive you around and everything. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Do they know what you're doing for them as part of Footsteps for Food?
1: Oh, look, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's, we're not the only ones. There are other people doing this, and I think that there are a lot of NGOs, you know, trying to focus on places like this. So, no, I mean, it's not something that we've promoted out there um, within uh, the community, but um, we're actually just this week about to but now that we've raised that first a lot of funds, are about to start distributing it, and um, it's going to be sort of food packs that we'll hand out to to people. Um, we're going through that process to make sure that you know that's done well, obviously, to make sure as much of that money gets to the, to the people that need it as possible. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope hopefully the word will spread within Cushco and, and we'll be able to uh, help as many people as possible.
2: But That's a big logistical job. How, how are you doing that? You got people obviously people on the ground doing that for you.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's a great thing. It's, some, um, um, you know, we 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 are very vertically integrated with our business, which which seemed like a great idea until COVID hit. Um, so, you know, we've got our own operations over there in Peru. We've got two hotels in Peru as well, which you know we we recently did. Um, we did some repatriation flights right at the start of the COVID emergency, and and that was really important having those businesses there as well because. Um, uh, when we did those repatriation flights to get people out of Peru, um, we, could, we had to have muster points because of roadblocks in between suburbs and things like this. So all our operations team there were able to, to get people essentially to the aircraft to get them out. That's just
2: mind-blowing when you think about having to organise all that.
1: Well, that, I mean, that was it. I mean, our, our flight out of Peru, we went from, from when Peru locked down the entire country, um, we organised a flight uh, to get Australians home within two weeks. Which which sounds like a you know quite a, a long time frame possibly. But when you think this is this isn't done out of a normal airport, the, the normal um, sort of commercial airport, it was done out of a military airport. We had, you couldn't even get from suburb to suburb to saying before because of the roadblocks. There were so many logistical challenges to overcome in two weeks, you know, and then you had the we had to fly by Chile to to refuel and they were closing down as well, and Australia was closing the borders. And so, you know, there was all these sort of all these sort of um, things we had to jump through um, and, and oh, I mean I, I barely slept for, for those two weeks it, it was it was difficult and, and a lot of our team members didn't either but um, but you know that was a great thing we had the resources there um, obviously um, we knew we needed to help and um, and I guess same with James at the moment we've got the resources there and with our tourists there um, there a lot for them to do so at least we can get them to focus on things like this um, to, to give them something to do.
0: Well, you mentioned border closures and and James, the three of us are here in Australia. So for the international audience, I guess we can bring you up to speed. Currently, there are several hotspots around Australia and that's affecting which states you can and cannot visit. So how is is James travelling with the idea from walking across the country?
1: Oh he's doing well he's doing well he's he's got a he's got a he's got some little shin splints at the moment but he's resting that a little bit I, I think yesterday and he's hoping to power on today but he he says he's feeling uh, reasonably good um, so he's it's obviously it's a long way. It's 4,000 kilometres that he's doing to give you an idea of scale. So it's more than three months of walking. He's pretty much self-isolating anyway. He's just walking along the road on his own. So I think <laughs> hopefully we can justify that. Yeah. Um, and he has got a contingency to may possibly go up into the Northern Territory. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a challenge and a bit of a worry, but um, I'm sure we'll get through it. Yeah, wait a minute.
2: Up into the Northern, you start running out of roads to walk on, trying to go that
1: way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And, and you know, and he's got to be careful because he's got this little pram that he pushes which has all his water and food in his, um, <laughs> and his gear yeah, and things like that. And on the first day, he decided to take a, a bit of a dirt track because it looked like a bit of a shortcut and one of the wheels fell off the pram. So he knows how to do <laughs> that. Uh, he had to go. His, well, his, his partner had to go and buy a new one for him. Um, so, yeah, so he's got to be, he's got to be careful. But he, he's a determined young man and I'm sure he'll find a way.
0: Okay, is this a pram that you would put a baby in?
1: It is, yes, correct, yes.
0: <laughs> What a sight that would be.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's a three-wheeler pram and, uh, you know, it fits in about 60 or 70 kilos worth of water and food and everything else in it. And, and here he is, this bloke pushing a pram across Australia.
0: Well, a couple of final questions. How do people help? Because by raising this money, we can, we can help our, our friends in South America.
1: Yeah, so I mean, uh, I go onto the, um, the Chimera Adventures uh, website, which is just ChimeraAdventures um, and you'll see there on the front page we mention our footsteps for food, which is which is what James is doing, and and uh, you can read all about it there, make a donation, and things like that.
0: Great. We talked about Antarctica as a, as a growing place to visit, um, and the ultimate. Uh, social distancing spot. What's the future of travel according to you? What what sort of thinking have you been doing about how it will look post pandemic?
1: Well, I think yeah, there's sort of there's possibly two stages in this, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, I know in Europe and and North America they're already starting international travel during the pandemic, and I think in in that short to medium term, international travel is going to be. Possibly less group travel, um, or they're going to be. It's going to be focused on destinations where, where you think you know you can avoid the pandemic as much as possible. Um, so smaller groups, um, rather than sharing with say twenty or thirty people, um, or at least having some sort of isolation process before he goes in, into those groups, or, or some sort of screening process. Yeah, I think in, in the longer term. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I, I hope that things will, will more or less go back to normal. I think there's been a lot of concerns over people going on cruise ships. But from what I've seen, that, you know, the people who, who like those sort of trips and especially the expedition cruising trips, which I, I think, which is what we do, which is adventure. And it, it's quite different from a regular cruise ship. But, but those sort of people are quite passionate about it. So I, I don't have any fears that we might be able to sell trips to Antarctica. Probably the biggest question mark everybody has at the moment is when a, when a vaccine is going to become available. So that. People can um, get back travelling internationally and and fingers crossed that happens some point towards the end of this year and and, uh, people can start rebooking again.
0: We will have a link to Footsteps for Food and Chimu Adventures in show notes, plus in an upcoming episode, Phil, We're going to learn about a literary project launched as a means for Peruvian guides to earn money using their storytelling skills during COVID. How cool does that sound? That is a
2: fantastic idea.
0: Okay.
2: uh, Speaking of great ideas, if you've got one and you uh, want to pass it on to us, then use our email, which is podcast at worldnomads.com. And don't forget to share and subscribe to the World Nomads Travel Podcast from wherever you get your favourite pods.
0: Now, next episode, interesting one. The International Animal Welfare Organization committed to encouraging people to treat animals with respect, compassion, and understanding, as this links into the dangers of wet markets. Okay. See you then. Bye. Bye.
1: The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.